in Silicon Valley, I was like, if I could make a million dollars, that would be incredible. And I, I blew past that goal. And eventually we sold Twitch, you know, for 970 million bucks. You know, for me, then then it was like, I, I just remember thinking like, oh, I could have done better. Like there's other companies, friends of mine who have started, you know, $10 billion companies or $20 billion companies. Like I didn't do good enough. And, you know, obviously from the outside or even from my goals in the beginning, that's like kind of a ridiculous proposition. But like, that's just the proof that like, no matter who you are, you can always be looking out and being like, oh, I want to do better. Almost everyone who works on new products at Instagram is focused on everyday people sharing and connecting, just like you and me. The second was really I wanted to sort of give back to Y Combinator. That would lead people to believe that at any point in time, we could have a giant recession. They're just smart people who don't have the same level of access to capital. And we focus on people who we think have good ideas, but maybe less connectivity to capital when we meet them. I don't love it when companies tell me they have no block, nothing's in their way to success. That business is going to make such a big difference to the world that none of the rest of this matters. Hello everyone, welcome to another great episode of 415 Stories. I'm your co-host Taha. I am extra excited today just because we do have an incredible guest with us today. His new venture is doing really interesting changes in the Web3 and NFT world. Uh, I'm going to introduce him in a second, but before we do that, Tarkan, how are you doing today? Thank you, Zaha. I'm, I'm doing fine working on my startup, and I'm really excited to have Justin here because we are friends for more than seven years, I guess. We met in Istanbul seven, eight years ago, and Justin also invested in my startup. He's my board member, and Justin is someone that I follow in, on the internet and learn from him a lot through these hardships where I, I read his posts and I, I was really learning a lot from him. So welcome, Justin. I'm excited to have you here. Hey, Tarkan. Good to see you, as always. It's, it's so nice to see you. And Taha, thanks for having me. It's just, yeah, it's fun, it's fun to have a, a conversation. It's always good to see you, Tarkan. Awesome, Justin. Pleasure to have you here. So you launched Fractal and there are, I guess, now more than 100,000 people in the community. And as you mentioned, your focus on Fractal is to become the best place to buy and sell NFTs online. What kind of problems you see today in the NFT world that you are aiming to fix with Fractal? You know, the NFT world is really, really new and, you know, NFTs for games are also very new. Uh, so, you know, what we see is like... Um, I think this is going to be a huge wave in gaming, though. Like this is the next uh, business model of gaming, kind of like free to play was a business model that started, you know, over ten years ago, and then how now has become the dominant model in gaming. Uh, so what we think is going to happen is, you know, the idea of there being durable NFT assets if, of games, you know, like the things that you earn in games, the magic swords and race cars and characters, um, they're all going to be assets that people can trade. And, and can have like real ownership of. And uh, from there, you know, these people are going to like have and participate in real economies that are built on top of games. That's kind of the future that I'm really excited about. But um, in the, you know, that, that has yet to happen. Right now we're in really early days. And so I think right now uh, there's this huge discovery problem. Where do people find games? How do they decide which games to participate in, to buy the NFTs of? And that's the problem we're trying to solve is really be a channel through which players discover games and then buy and sell the nfts awesome and as you're looking at the nfts you know adaptation in the world 
where do you see ourselves in this adaptation uh, curve, let's say? Yeah, I think we're really, really early days right now. So, you know, it's been, uh, you know, Tarkan's been part of uh, one of these teams, like building this company called Cave World. I think today we're in this like, you know, super, super early stage where most of the games haven't even shipped yet. You know, we're, they're building in public with, um, with their communities, but they're still like ideas, you know? And so what we're going to see, I think in the next six to 12 months is a huge number of blockchain based games shipping and delivering games to players. And that's going to be like really exciting. Just because of this, you know, um, hype of NFTs, I guess there are uh, lots of new games are launching on the blockchain. Uh, when you look at all these games, what are the ones that you know really stood up for you? You know, what are the things that you you know look for in a project that you say, yeah, these guys are doing well? Uh, yeah, so we're looking for like, what's the background of these of these people who are creating these games? Like a lot of people are coming over from uh, gaming companies, you know, that are like um, like traditional gaming companies like a Riot or EA. Uh, and like, are these people going to be able to create and ship a game? And then there's also with the blockchain side, it's like, are they able to build a community? You know, it's, it's really important in web three to like have a community that is, uh, you know, helping you participating in the, in the kind of creation of your product. And I think that's, um, another kind of cornerstone aspect. So like really trying to evaluate, are these people like able to build a game? Are they able to build a community? Those are kind of the most important things. Yeah, actually, when I get into the NFT world, especially I'm helping K-World, when I get into the community, that's totally different from the normal startup life. I mean, in startups, we are very connected with our team. We work hard with investors, exactly. But here, the community is kind of part of the uh, part of the company. And that's, that's really exciting for me because uh, it's... The investment part also totally different. Uh, so actually, Justin, what I see in this Web3 world, the company management is becoming different as well. What do you think? What 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 these startups, I call them startups still, what they need to do? Can you tell the differences with the Web2 and the Web3 startups? Yeah, I think uh, with these new startups, you know, like with these new projects, it's much more community oriented and there's a lot, you know, they're they're very decentralized. There's people all over the world. Oftentimes, um, people are working on the project. Sometimes, in like you know, it's not only just full time people. Like oftentimes, there are people working on the project in some sort of part time capacity. It's much more like internet native in terms of as a way to run the company. You know, because all these things are like digital only assets. You know, it'd be really hard to run a company like Scotty like that, right? But um, for these you know kind of online companies, it's like a, you know these Web three projects. It's it's much easier. Justin, I, okay, from this NFT and Web3 world, I want to ask something. Uh, actually, you are a parent, you are investing, and you have now Fractal, you have podcast. How you, how you manage all of these and how you can keep your habits uh, doing uh, in, this, in this period? So how, how you manage your day? Sure, yeah. I mean, so I always like focus, you know, I always start my day by trying to do my habits or my healthy habits that I'm working on. So like my gratitude journal, I work out, I meditate. I try to do those things at the beginning of the day. Um, and then it's just really a matter of prioritization. You know, I'm always trying to figure out what's the most important thing to do during, during the day. It's often, um, it changes every, every day, you know? So, um, uh, I just kind of like make lists and then prioritize and then just work off those lists. It's a pretty simple system, you know, I'm a very list based person. 
One of my questions again about habits because I read your small blog post about happiness, how to how to be happy, and there were seven steps there. One of them was gratitude journal, and as far as I know, you also read books uh, continuously. I I try to follow as much as uh, I can. How you decide to read a book? How much time you spend? How much books you read? And what what are, what is the one book that you think everyone should read? I, I the book there's this book called The Untethered Soul that's like one of my favorite books um, that kind of introduces a lot of like I guess Eastern philosophy to the West like a Western audience and um, yeah I think it's an incredibly beautiful book I won't spoil it it's pretty short you can read it in an afternoon I definitely recommend it it's one of my my favorites actually I I get that advice from you a few years ago I guess I read this book and I listened half of it half of it I was reading. Uh, that was that was amazing because for the first time I reali- realized that monkey mind, which was talking in my head, he was mentioning it a lot, and yeah, it, that book is amazing. I, I really like that as well. Actually, that yeah. that book was the first book that Tarkan recommended me to. I mean, this this, this, this is really <laughs> interesting. So oh, Justin, wow, well. uh, you you describe uh, in your Twitter bio you say that from the bottom to the top and back again. So as you know, I think um, everyone knows uh, you went through this journey, which is you know uh, really interesting to hear about. And I want to ask you something about this journey. So I believe there are really incredible learnings there, and I know that it's a wide topic, but what was the lessons that you learned the hard way that you know? Uh, that is really easy to understand at the first sight, but it's really hard to, you know, uh, gain as a habit and, you know, really uh, embody it. So I started a company, like my last company, it was like, we raised a lot of money, $75 million. It was, um, and then it didn't work. And, you know, we ended up shutting down the company. And so the, there were a lot of lessons from that, right? There were a lot of uh, things we did wrong. I mean, happy to go into and as many as you want, but like one of them is, you know, you should really only build stuff that you really want to dive into the product on, you know? So I, in this case with, with Atrium, my last company, I, it was, you know, it was legal tech. I like thought it was a really good business idea, but it probably wasn't my core area of passion. And so, you know, like I was very mercenary about it. And I think that like was not a great fit for me. Um, you know, another thing was like in the beginning, I think you really want to keep the team small and moving fast. And I think i you know, I had a lot of raised a lot of money. So like hired a lot of people really quickly. And I don't think that was exactly the right move, you know, keeping it as lean as possible for as long as possible, I think is really important uh, when you're creating that DNA of a startup, because you're always going to have entropy of like, you know, things are going to get more efficient and move slowly over time. So you like need to start with like, you know, the, the kind of like, you need like the big bang, right? Like to, in, in the beginning to like catalyze getting product market fit and like building a really great company. And then only after that, can you really start layering on hiring and building infrastructure? If you don't have that product market fit in the beginning, then nothing else is going to matter, you know? And so I, I probably didn't fit, spend enough time focused on that. So I, I read somewhere, it's like product market and founder fit. Uh, it's like they are, they are pronouncing three of them now. I, I read a few times. So as, I, as far as I understand, it was, did it have product market fit or 
not founder fit, I mean, maybe it had a product market fit, but not a founder fit. I think there was like not the right founder fit, but I mean, there was also like, I mean, there were some specifics around the product itself too. Like we were building technology to help lawyers be more efficient, but we didn't really identify, I think, whether our true customer was the clients themselves or the lawyers. And um, I think you always have to figure out who's your customer. Like, are you really building for lawyers to make lawyers happier? Or are you building for clients to make clients happier? I think we were trying to do both and we kind of didn't do either well enough. As opposed to a company like Compass, which is a similar type of company in, in the real estate side, I think they really focus on making their uh, agents happy in America. And like that really works, uh, you know, versus uh, like they're not really building for the end customer, right? They're, they're, they're really building for the agents. So actually that's, one of the reasons maybe you don't jump back to the uh, gaming area because you did already something great there. And that was one of the reasons that you choose Fractal as a project, new project. Yeah. So gaming with gaming, it's like, I am a gamer. I know what gamers want. I've been in the space a long time. I'm excited about gaming. So I, I think it just made a lot more, you know, it makes a lot more sense for me personally. Got it. Yeah, I, I do have a completely different question from this direction. But Justin, you talk about this, you know, hedonic treadmill that people are always chasing something, going through this, you know, hamster wheel of always wanting, getting and getting rid of. And it just goes on and on. And I'm curious, you know, is it possible for someone to get out of this hedonic treadmill before they got to a point where they say, OK, I'm successful now or I've seen enough, you know, when do you think this I've seen enough point is at at people's life? Is it at a certain point or is it, you know, different for everyone? The hedonic treadmill exists for everyone, which is this idea that like wherever you're at, there's always somewhere better to be. It's, you know, some part of your mind is always saying like, oh, you could do better. Like, so, you know, when I started off in Silicon Valley, I was like, if I could make a million dollars, that would be incredible, right? Like that would be amazing. And I, I blew past that goal and eventually we sold Twitch, you know, for 970 million bucks. And, you know, for me, then then it was like, I, I just remember thinking like, oh, I could have done better. Like there's other companies, friends of mine who have started, you know, $10 billion companies or $20 billion companies. Like I didn't do good enough. And, you know, obviously from the outside or even from my goals in the beginning, that's like kind of a ridiculous proposition. But like, that's just a proof that like, no matter who you are, you can always be looking out and being like, oh, I want to do better. And so the only way to get off the hedonic treadmill is to really just be okay with like, um, realizing that like external happiness or like external things don't drive long-term happiness, right? Like if you get a, you know, you sell your company for a billion dollars, it's not going to make you permanently happy. You're just going to adjust to that, right? Like you're going to adjust to your new circumstances because that's what human beings do. And so, um, you know, true happiness is really found from within. And the recognition of that is something that I don't think we spend enough time doing in society today. I guess, you know, as you mentioned, um, after, you know, getting out of this uh, treadmill, have you got out of this head on the treadmill? I mean, that's always easy to say yes, but like, I, it's hard to know, you know, it's hard to, for, mm -hmm. to really know. I mean, I think that like now I focus primarily on what am I doing every day that I really enjoy. And if I do things that I enjoy, then like, that's a great day. If not, you know, maybe mm -hmm. try again better next time. And so next tomorrow, you know, like, so to me, I, I think I have uh, released a lot of my uh, external pressure to do better and better, you know. Got it. And do you think is it okay to still want material things 
even after you got out of this hedonic treadmill, do you think there's, you know, still some material things that, you know, people, people want, or is it just, you know, purely the things that make you happy from, you know, within yourself? Well, I, of course, you know, it's human nature to want things like in the world, right. To, to want material stuff. It's not going to make you happy and achieve achieving it is not going to make you happy, but you can want it. And it's like, that's natural, right? So like even fighting against even the idea that you should want to not want things is kind of like a, a source of potential unhappiness. You know, um, I think in general, like, you know, people want stuff. That's fine. I want stuff like, but just not being too attached to like the necessity of fulfilling those needs is probably a, a healthy place to come from, you know? Uh, Justin also told about negative visualization, which I love that technique. I started to do that as well, Justin. What, what is negative visualization? How, how we can practice that? I was going to ask you, why don't you explain it? Well, negative visualization is like a stoic practice that I read about that is basically like visualizing bad things happening to you, you know, like bad, something bad, like really putting yourself in the experience of like something bad happening. And what would your experience be like? Like really trying to live what that experience would be like. And I think, you know, when you do that, it's kind of like inoculating yourself against those those things because like things, you know, you're always going to have negative experiences that happen in life. And when they do happen, it's all about how do you react? Like how are you in that moment? You know, how, how are you present in that moment? And do you let it like carry you away or are you just, you know, do you accept like this is hap exp my experience and that doesn't mean like don't do anything to change your experience, but like you accept that it's your experience, you're not thrashing against it and then you can figure out how do you want to like most effectively change it. And when you, you know, have these, you know, do this negative visualization, you're just, it's like practice, right? Um, and you realize a couple things. One is it's not the end of the world. Like if bad things happen, that's not the end of the world that they're, they're going to happen to you. And then the second thing is like, you can not thrash against that experience and you have the um, ability to like, just, you know, be calm in the experience and, and uh, try to do whatever you need to do to change it. Also, it is connected with gratitude journal as well, in my opinion, because when you start that negative visualization, you realize that you much a lot. I mean, even if you lose a few things in life, you you still have much much more things that, that you can be grateful and these these are all interconnected i think really one of the habits that i love having uh, thanks justin again for that uh, i i write every day in the morning the three things that i am grateful for every day it reminds me that we have lots of things to be grateful so we always desire and this desire creates some pain but somehow when you look at the things you own you have it makes you happier and happier makes your day more productive, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. The gratitude journal is such a great, it's so great. Um, you know, it's, it's something that I really, I try to do every day. Awesome. And let's say that, you know, the uh, one thing is, you know, having possessions is not the purpose of life. What do you think it is, Justin, for you? You know, how do you, you know, uh, see... Uh, goals in life? How do you, you know, determine your goals and how do you see the purpose of it? Yeah, I think it's up to each person to define their own purpose. Uh, you know, but for me, it's, I, you know, the way I want to show up is to be a good friend and good family member, a good father, and, um, you know, kind of participate in, in doing good for the people around me. 
I'd like pursue the things that like I enjoy to do every day, you know? Awesome. And, um, if you were to talk about, you know, the, the future of the, um, you know, projects that you're doing, but before we do that, you know, how do you see the next 10 years of tech or web three or, you know, whatever happens, I think, you know, you have this insights around, you know, seeing through a bunch of, you know, booms and busts throughout, you know, a couple of decades. Where do you see, you know, in 2020s will happen in the following years? Um, well, I mean, I, obviously, I think Web3 is a big mega trend. Of, and I think it's kind of rewriting the way that the Internet works uh, around ownership, um, which is really exciting. I think if we were creating Twitch today, it'd be a Web3 project. And so, you know, having the community participate in the governance and ownership of the internet, I think is very interesting. And it's, it's kind of like the future that I want to participate in. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the the one trend that I think is, is, you know, very fascinating right now. How about the investing? Um, because for the last couple of years, the valuations went high, there are more experimentations going on in the world. And, you know, I haven't seen that much of a, uh, you know, uh, hype in the startup uh, valuations, you know, in the past uh, 15, 20 years. But do you think it's going to, you know, go up continuously, you know, forever? Or do you think there's a, you know, gap that is going to stop at some point? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm probably not, I'm not, I don't know that I want to make a prediction. I do think that, like... You know, we're, we're the investor valuations are tied to exit valuations, right? If something's like more valuable at exit, like people are willing to invest more in the beginning. And, you know, you've seen this massive increase in um, growth tech stocks in the last year, especially in like a run up in the last like decade. Um, as there's been like this low inflation rate environment, like to, uh, today, like sorry, low, low interest rate environment. And today, like you've, I think that that may be changing where, you know, we, we kind of have this inflation happening in the United States and, um, you know, maybe there's like less interest in and in kind of the valuations that are supported in the growth and growth tech stocks are like lower. And so that might affect, you know, earlier stage companies downstream from that. Justin, or upstream, yeah, Justin I, also, I you, you have this uh, growth VC, which is really exciting as well. Uh, what type of startups uh, you invest and in? how do you make these decisions? Yeah, we're investing in, you know, all kinds of different companies, like a lot of Web3 companies right now, um, interested in like climate change companies, uh, some like robotics and AI, some in healthcare, like kind of a mix, really trying to invest in companies where we see those founders as like, you know, they have that special drive to really build something and make a difference in the world um, in some way. And so, you know, like it's it's all at the early stage. It's all about the people, and uh, we're really just trying to identify who those people are and, and and who do we want to work with. You know, one of the rules I have is like I only want to work with people where when I see them, it puts a smile on my face. And so, you know, if I can't like if it's all because life is short, you only have so much time to spend with people. And so, if I can't, you know, if they don't fulfill that for me, then it's probably not the right investment. You know. Awesome. And as, you know, a founder skill or persona, what kind of things, you know, you try to see at founders to, you know, be convicted uh, to a business? Of course, a business is important and a market is important, but even if all those things are equal, uh, you know, 
how would you evaluate founders uh, as their skills? Yeah, I mean, you're just looking at like, what have they done, right? Like, so if it's like, if they're building technology, it's like, have they built anything? And like, how fast did they build it? And like, is are people using it? Do they like it? You know, those are kind of the things you want to look at when you're looking at technology founders. Just when you when you said about this uh, thing that founders who put smile on my face, life is short. I think that that's kind of interesting. I was reading a book. There was a quote there: "Journey before destination." And who 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 walked this journey with? This will be the most important thing at the end in my life. When I'm working with people, that's that's one thing that I really give importance as well. I mean, it is very difficult to be professional all the time. You want to enjoy with the people that you are working with. That's that's how 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 it works in my opinion. When when I'm calling him, I I should be feeling good. This is very important in my opinion because also in the Web three world, I see this people are very welcoming. They are very open this is it is it is kind of like very different community out, out there in my opinion that that makes me excited to be in web3 world as well what do you think justin about this part yeah i mean i love the energy in web3 it's like people are really excited about what people are building there's a very participatory feeling um yeah it's it's the people are super energized and that's exciting it feels like we're you know back to when we were the early days of twitch when we were building uh, you know, streaming and like just discovering what are the atomic units of how people are going to interact on the internet. And people are just really excited to, to work on that. And so, you know, I feel like that's that's similar to how it is now. When I'm talking with my friends, I'm telling like this, you know, before before startups in Turkey, for example, my father was also doing business, but the business plan was different. Like uh, the business mindset was different back then. Like my father's business style is totally different. So when I get into the... Uh, startup i was telling my father and, and he was getting uh, thinking i mean he was having difficulty to understand how we work when i get into the this web3 uh, startups i i started to feel like someone explaining to me as a web2 founder how the web3 world works like investment works differently uh, getting help for example someone wants to build something in our uh, in the in the cave world they just tell the community and someone from community is doing it for them like that 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 the style of web3 uh, startups really interesting to me uh, yeah, yeah that's what i wanted to add it's been it's been fun it's like it's it's cool all the rules are being rewritten right now like if you were a young person uh, starting their career i'd say definitely you know jump into web3 right now yeah totally it's it's an exciting world and Justin, if you were to leave us, you know, your two cents on uh, the contents in the books that you wished you, you know, learned or consumed when you were early at early age, you know, what kind of things you would turn back to, you know, young Justin and say, you know, you should read this or, you know, you should do this and things like that. Sure. There's a book that I really love called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And in the book, it outlines kind of a I guess a set of values that uh, they define as what a conscious company is. And I just think it's a really great, um, really great book about leadership and the type of values that I would want to have in a company that I started. And uh, I recommend it to all, you know, young people when they're starting, starting companies or starting projects or, you know, thinking about how they want to be in the world. And in terms of, you know, habit forming, um, you know, do you have any, you know, contents or, a book that you know would do you think really help people about that, or maybe an app? Maybe I'm not sure. 
<laughs> yeah, there's a book called Atomic Habits I really love, which is a, a habit uh, book on habit formation that kind of outlines you know how you create habits. And then um, I actually wrote an app uh, with some friends for fun that's called Kin. That's like a habit tracker app that helps people form habits. So you can check that out. It's called at kinhabits.com. We can share the link yeah. here as well after the podcast. Perfect. Yeah, that 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 was that was really exciting to listen all of these from you because I I think I'm following you. I I read this 15 commitments of conscious leadership and that was super helpful for me. The one part was really important in the book for me, especially to understand your feelings. When I uh, when I practiced that with a coach from 15 commitments of uh, there there is a coaching as well they give. Yeah, Justin, I, I I get a coaching. That that moment, I mean, when you start to realize the, your feelings, it is easier to manage yourself and even the relationships and your company. I guess that part was really important for me from the book. But do you do you advise anything from the book specific, like a part like this that you find it most most interesting? Um, there's a part on emotions, which I think you know that's a, you reference. It's like that's really powerful. It's just recognizing that the emotions that you have aren't something to be avoided. Emotions are signal, right? Like they're just part of the human experience. And if you can just be with your emotions and not need anything to change and recognize them and talk about them, then, uh, you know, you're going to have a much better time managing and, and kind of like, um, being authentic, showing up in an authentic way in your company. And so that was a big insight to me and something where I learned a lot. And I, I definitely recommend that lesson, right. To everybody. Thanks so much for joining today. I, I personally learned a lot of things and I believe it will be really helpful for, for the people who are listening to us. And yeah, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.